1: Good afternoon. Welcome back to another adventure here on Southern Sense. You're listening to on Blog Talk Radio, SHR Media, The Lone Star, Daily News, up in iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, Facebook, a YouTube, and oh gosh, half a dozen other different places. Just go to the name of the show, put a dash in the middle, southern com. Of course, I'm your hostess with the most just the radio chick, Annie, along with my debonair, courageous, and comedic co-host, Curtis C.S. Bennett. Good afternoon, Curtis. How are you?
2: I am doing fine. I'm looking forward to a nice, nice long week here, and um, some special guests, and other than that, I'm just glad we didn't get this hurricane and my prayers and everything goes out for those who were impacted by it.
1: Yeah, it is. That is a sad tragedy. And uh, the irony of it is, is that here you live inland towards the mountain by rivers and, and streams, thinking that if a hurricane hit, it's going to be along the coast and you're inland and you're going to be safe. But the truth of the matter is, is once it hit the mountains there, it just the water just flowed all the way back. So what came through with the storm, with the hurricane, the tropical storm coming through, did not seem like a lot. But once it got up country here in South Carolina and in North Carolina, that's where all the flooding happened. And in 2015, we had a tremendous problem here in South Carolina or up around Columbia, Dillon and those areas where a lot of the dams in the area are on private property. They're privately owned. And if they're not maintained, this flooding will occur. And we had massive flooding here in South Carolina in 2015. Uh, We were a little bit better prepared than North Carolina, but the tragedy remains that now over 30 people have died in that uh, tropical storm. And they needn't have to have. If the evacuation orders had been given, where would these people go? The best place for them to go at that point would have been to head southward, not inland. Uh, so there's going to be, I'm sure investigations and other things will be going on after this, but let's work right now on helping these people. And, um, I'm recommending anyone that wants to donate, go to the, the Red Cross. There is a link on my show page, Southern Sense, put a dash in the middle. We do have a link on there for people if they want to donate to the Red Cross. Another good uh, place to donate is Samaritan's Purse. I know my church and a lot of churches in the area are using Samaritan uh, Purse to help those that are, are in need right now. So uh, please, Red Cross or Samaritan Purse, uh, please go to my show page, use the link to help donate. Uh, and God bless and pray for these people. That said, we were supposed to have Tweelo with us today, uh, but unfortunately, she came down with the flu. Uh, she just texted me a little while ago, and she was like, well, if, I, if if you really want me to, and for me, if you're not feeling well, please, please just rest up.
2: Yeah, better, cause just we get rest.
1: Your strength as a patriot to help fight the fight. So, tweet again, our prayers go out to you. Hope you feel better and join us again soon. But it's more important for her to, to relax, get better, and fight the fight. So uh, I believe you have our friend Lucretia uh, Hughes coming on. So she'll be joining us a little bit later on in the show. Uh, we've also got a new guest, John Sakinikis. Um, he has a new book out called The New Paradigm, Volume One, and it's going to be coming out in a series of volumes. And his premise is is how to bring this country back to its founding principles, uh, back to a constitutional republic. And I read his first book, and I couple of things we're going to discuss on that. I don't completely agree with everything, uh, but that's that's good. It's good for us to disagree in certain areas, but we'll talk to him. I, maybe I'm looking at this wrong, so we'll find out. But <laughs> that said, we dedicate each and every show to a fallen hero. And when I pulled up James uh, Sackanica's name, I came up with an interesting story. And it turns out the story goes to his uncle, who fought at the Battle of the Bulge. Uh, on December 16th 1944 and the story of his unit and the heroism in that unit on that day that was not recognized until 1981 they were the most decorated unit in World War II for a company of their size so this dedication is going to go out to the 18 men of the intelligence and reconnaissance platoon 394th infantry 99th division who fought at the Battle of Lanzarite Ridge on December 16, 1944, on the first day of the Battle of the Bulge in World War II. Eighteen men faced over 500 Germans. And this is from several different sources, including Wikipedia. And it reads, The Battle of Lanzareth Ridge was fought on December 16, 1944, the first day of the Battle of the Bulge during World War II near, near the village of Lanzareth, Belgium, along the key route for German advance in the northern shoulder of the operation. It was fought between two squads totaling 18 men belonging to an American reconnaissance platoon, four U.S. forward artillery observers, and a battalion of 500 German paratroopers during a day-long confrontation. The American reconnaissance troops inflicted dozens of casualties on the Germans and delayed by almost 20 hours the advance of the entire 1st SS Panzer Division, the spearhead of the German 6th Panzer Army. The Germans finally flanked American forces at dusk, capturing them. Only one American, a forward Artillery observer was killed while 14 were wounded. German casualties totaled 92. The Germans paused, believing the woods were filled with more Americans and tanks. Only then, SS Standard Fuhrer Joachim Piper and his panzer tanks arrived at midnight. Twelve hours behind schedule did the Germans learn that the nearby woods were empty. Due to lost communications with the battalion and then regimental headquarters and the unit's subsequent capture, its disposition and success at delaying the advance of the 6th Panzer Army that day was unknown to U.S. commanders. Lieutenant Lyle Buck considered the wounding of most of his men and the capture of his entire unit a failure. When the war ended five months later, The platoon's men, who were split between two prisoner-of-war camps, just wanted to get home. It was only after the war that Bach learned that his platoon had prevented the lead German infantry elements from advancing and had delayed by about 20 hours their armored units advance. On October 26, 1981, after considerable lobbying, a congressional hearing, and a letter writing by Bach and every member of the unit, was finally recognized for their valor that day, making the platoon the most decorated American unit of its size of World War II. And this is from the MIA Project, and in it has the words of Private William Sack Sackanikas, and it reads, 19-year-old William Sack Sackanikas, was the fourth of ten children of Greek immigrants living in White Plains, New York. Transferred from the ASTP, he had joined the Intelligence Reconnaissance Platoon of the 394th Infantry as runner. The INR platoon, led by a 20-year-old Missourian, First Lieutenant Lyle J. Bach, Jr., was about to enter history as the most decorated platoon of World War II. The 18-man platoon was in position on the extreme right south flank of the 99th Division. They were the ears and eyes of the regiment. Bach's soldiers occupied a wooded knoll northwest of Lanzareth, where they observed a large open area known as the Gosham Gap. To the east, the gap led into Germany and the defenses of the Siegfried Line. The gap also extended four miles to the south, becoming a series of rolling hills, extending to a high wooded plateau known as the Schnee Eiffel. The latter was held by the 106th Division, but the gap itself was only occupied by a cavalry group. Though small and seemingly insignificant, the village of Lanzareth was vital for the German planners of the ISS Panzerkorps. The road going through the village was Rauban D on their battle map. The attack route for the grouper Piper in the early morning of December 16th the leading elements of the 3rd Fallschirmjager Jaeger Parachute Division, had to seize the village and open the road to the west for the tank column of the SS Colonel Piper. Lieutenant Bach's platoon will stand on their way and hold a platoon of German paratroopers for nearly eight hours, repulsing assaults wave after wave, inflicting tremendous losses among the attackers. At the end of the afternoon, without support, out of ammunition, the INR platoon was finally overrun and surrendered. Their heroic resistance brought enough time for year, rear units to reorganize and hold in place. In a letter dated the 30th of March, 1945, William Sakimikis wrote Major Crutz, his former commander. Just as it was getting dark, they started their main attack, and all hell broke loose. Sergeant Slate jumped on a 50 caliber and opened up, and we were all firing. I do know they got Slate, but the 50 caliber was silenced. After a while, the battle started to die down. They must have knocked out some of our holes on the forward slope. The grenades started exploding near our hole. We could tell ours was the only hole still resisting. We were going to make a break for it when all of a sudden a burp gun tears into my face. I could just remember being taken down the hill by this Jerry aid man and Lieutenant Bach. The hill was strewn with the dead Germans. They put me in a house with German wounded all over the floor. And I remember seeing Lou Khalil wounded. The last I remember was Lieutenant Bach giving me my Bible and two pictures of my girl. He told me they were separating us. I do not remember anything after that until I woke up in a German hospital the sacrifice of Lieutenant Bach's platoon disappeared in the turmoil of the battle until it was finally recognized in 1981. Nine bronze stars, five silver stars, and four distinguished service courses were awarded, including one for William J. Sakanikis. His citation read, Private First Class William James Sakonikis distinguished himself by extraordinary heroism against armed enemy forces at Lanzarit, Belgium, on December 16, 1944, while serving with the INR platoon of the 394th Infantry Regiment, 99th Division. Following a relentless early morning artillery barrage, Private First Class Sakamikis courageously volunteered to probe the enemy area to gather intelligence information. Returning later to the platoon position, he reported small arms fire nearby. Knowing an enemy attack was imminent, he moved with daring boldness to the most forward foxhole position. Soon, two columns of German paratroopers were sighted marching on the road through Lanzarite about 200 yards from his position. Private First Class Sakonikis fearlessly engaged the enemy with devastating small arms fire, inflicting many casualties. Throughout the day, he fired his weapon point-blank at the enemy and helped repel three separate frontal attacks, despite being outnumbered 15 to 1. On the second attack, Private First Class Sakonikis left his foxhole and boldly manned an exposed 50 caliber machine gun, where he increased the hail of fire on the advancing enemy. As the third frontal attack began, he ran in the face of withering fire to a forward position, where he placed effective point blank grease gun fire on the enemy. During the fourth and final attack, Private First Class Zachonikis emptied his last rounds of ammunition at the enemy soldiers attacking from the rear. As he prepared to escape from the encirclement, a burst of automatic fire ripped through the right side of his face, with the impact slamming him to the bottom of the foxhole where he was captured at gunpoint. In the video you see on this show and on Facebook and YouTube, you'll see a helmet. William Sackenitz's helmet. His helmet remained in the foxhole until it was discovered in 1982. Sack had survived the war, but his severe injuries drove him through 36 operations of facial reconstruction. He passed away on June 22, 1977 at the young age of 52. Today's show is dedicated to the brave men of the Intelligence and Reconnaissance Platoon 394th Infantry 99th Division at the Battle of Langerines on the Battle of the Bulge on June 16, 1944. These are truly heroic Americans. We also dedicate the show to all the brave men and women out there that serve in the military from the birth of this nation through today and into its future. And to all the brave men and women that serve as first responders, be they firefighters, police officers, or emergency services. We dedicate it with this song, Amazing Grace. May God bless each and every one of them. And may God bless America. We're back. You're here listening to Southern Sense here on Blog Talk Radio, SHR Media, The Lone Star, Daily News, on iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, Bluetooth. Oh, good Lord, I forget half the places we're at. Oh, please just go to the name of the show, Southern Sense, put a dash in the middle. And also, when you go to the name of the show, Southern Sense, Check out Earthwater. Please check it out. Clicked on the link. Get yourself a case of Earthwater, and I'm telling you, it's very healthy and happy. And become an affiliate. and That way you can make some extra bucks while you're getting healthier. So check it out. Southern Sense. Put a dash in the middle. Click on Earthwater also. All right. We got ourselves a great show here, Curtis. And we've got a stand-in at the last minute. Why? Thank you very much, Lucretia <laughs> Hughes. Good afternoon, Lucretia. How are you welcome doing? Welcome back to the show. All right. Thank you so what much for this
3: opportunity.
1: Oh, what a trooper, though, to jump in last minute. But you know what? All the no- notes I made last night are not going to waste. <laughs> Everything. Oh man, can we get any crazier of a circus than we have uh, with uh, this Kavanaugh hearing? Is this guy? Got- this has gotten out of hand. No, no,
3: it really hasn't gotten out of hand. This is the same old, same old. It's the same playbook that the Democratic Party has been using since Clarence Thomas. It's like, get real with it. Uh, It's it's time for the Republicans and the conservatives to get off their high horses and snatch that playbook and start fighting fire with fire. Because you have Ellis up there that was accused of domestic abuse, but he still somehow got reelected. So I'm sick of this uh, always blaming, but the always, my my dad always said, you point a finger, but you got four more pointing back at you, and it's time for us to call out the Democrats of this foolishness. And the girl needs to go to jail if it's found out if it's a lie.
1: Oh, absolutely. And, you know, the thing with Keith Ellison, and no one's talking about this, uh, the woman that has made the accusation against Keith Ellison is being uh, treated as a pariah in her own party. Uh, she's she was a, someone high up in the Democratic Party, uh, and it's it's not a matter of a teenager groping another girl, something that he did as did or did not do, something that was considered a juvenile offense. Well, here you've got Keith Ellison accused of battery and rape, forcible rape of this woman. And threatening her through uh, communication devices, which is a federal law, according Uh, uh, to the FCC. I'm
3: sorry, it starts at the top. And when one of your leadership parties is Bill Clinton, what do you expect? But we're just going to continue to let them have a pass while we constantly get attacked to be undercut or accused. When it's already been proven it for a fact, not only did the Clintons give hush money to all those rape victims, but also he raped women in office. So, you know what, Kavanaugh, thank God they did not have video cameras when I was in high school. And I'm going to leave it right there. If that's the far back you have to go. You know what? Shut up. Sit down.
1: <laughs>
3: I don't even know where to go with that one. hmm <laughs>
0: It's oh, the same man. old, same old. Mm-hmm.
3: They did it to Roy Moore. They, they did it to Clarence Thomas. They, do it to, they did it to, who was it, Cruz had a woman come out. It's always something. And if you got Gloria already standing behind you, automatically, honey, it's a lie. I'm not believing anything. I'm sick of this Me Too movement. I'm waiting on the men to come out of my closet. Well, they're going to start marching out because it's ridiculous <laughs> now. Everybody has a past. <laughs> but when you have 75 women coming to your offense, to say that you are outstanding man, and just looking at this man, character, his demeanor, and his aura, that is a good godly man, and they just don't know how to handle God being placed back on the Supreme
1: Court.
2: Well, well you got to remember the weird thing about the this ones is...
1: took, oh, I was just going to mention that the Democrats are the ones that took uh, God out of their platform. Do you remember that? Absolutely.
2: Go ahead, Curtis. It's like the just like these women are like pawns in the chess game. They brought out, served a purpose, and disappeared. I mean, look at um, Herman Cain when he was running. I think it was three or four women that came out. And then when the job was done, they got him out of the race. Hey, they disappear. You ain't heard a word from them anymore. So, you it's know, the we same have old, to be suspects. Yeah, we have to be suspect of these, these kind of um, outings. Somebody's behind. And it's
3: it's to the point that it's giving the women that have literally went through this in life and walked that horrible situation, it's giving them a bad name. It's making them not want to come forward when something really does happen to them. And I'm sick of it, and it's it's getting old now. You don't use an accusation like that of all accusations to make somebody political career, and they – their character go down the drain if it's a lie and majority of them is been proved or a lie after the fact but it's all over and said with. Well. you can't you can't squeeze toothpaste uh, toothpaste back in the tube
1: once it's out yeah i mean it, what, what we have is a woman that we're going to see what happens on monday because there's they're going to have the open open hearing see whether or not this professor uh does show up we know that uh Kavanaugh says, "I'm in. I want to do this today and get it over with." And that is—that's how powerful his fight is. Um, but this woman can't remember the month it happened, the house it happened in, uh, who else was there, how she got there, how she got home. If she can't remember any of this, how can then she definitely identify Kavanaugh 36 years later?
3: I'm—I'm I'm not falling for it. Next, no. what's the next ploy? Because he's gonna get a, he's he's gonna be the next Supreme Court, and you know Ruth Ginsburg. I'm I'm sorry. I think I, I saw the angel of death tapping her on the shoulder. We're gonna have a three pick, and we're gonna be able to have conservative views back on the Supreme Court. Yes, we gotta deal with the lower federal courts, but still on the Supreme Court, he is really conservative, God fearing, Bill of Rights people, and I appreciate it.
1: Well, you know, here the Daily Mail had picked this up. Why the British get at this and we don't pick this up? It seems that this uh, individual that's accusing Kavanaugh, his fam- her family has had interaction with Judge Kavanaugh's mother, who happened to also have been a judge. seems there was a property dispute back in 1996 uh, in which the judge ruled against them in uh, dealing with the something about going into default. Now, they still own the house, the family. So whatever it is, it worked out. But it seems it may have been revenge. Their family going after the Kavanaugh family because of this 1996 ruling his mother held. So why isn't this being brought forward?
3: It has been brought forward. It's just not being brought. I knew about that. I knew I said it last night on my show because I do a, a nightly show on Liberty 1, and that was one of the topics that I brought up. It's a woman's scorn, maybe who who knows what the heck it is, but this chick here, um, I don't believe her. I I, I she's to the point. It, it's to the she is so blatantly lying. It's it's beyond rapport right now. And when you have people like Feinstein and everyone else that is trying to hold up the vote, you know what? He's gonna be appointed. So this circus, and I call it a horse and pony show, needs to go ahead. What are they going to get uh, get mad about next? Squirrel. I'm, I'm waiting on the next Squirrel. It's like a dog. They can't figure out what the heck they're really fighting for. So what, what's the next topic? Because this is ridiculous, mm. and I'm about tired of it. When we talking about the kids being separated, or did they forget about them, or they just fell off like Las Vegas? Las Vegas. <laughs> I'm, I'm about well, tired of the cool. media, politicians, and this.
1: Well, we got a caller in on the line. Let's bring along Cool Mike. As soon as the computer, just there we go. Cool Mike, welcome aboard.
4: Uh,
5: where did we find this guest? Hallelujah! Oh my God! Hey so Mike. My first
0: hey, question. Mike. Why?
5: Hey Curtis, Sandy. I guess I forgot the intro. I'm so excited. I'm actually getting turned on listening to somebody who has some backbone. Why? The question <laughs> for the guest. Why are we, as a conservative, so gutless? We're a bunch of pussies. No one will stand up Well, and fight. actually,
3: if you got that type of attitude, honey, we are the new breed of the Republican Party. This this is something they've never seen before. They they are literally seeing blue-blooded Americans that are more conservative and hold the more Republican principles than the dang old Republican Party do. And that's what they're scared of, is they scared of people like me and you that see what's going on on a daily basis and getting fired up And are ready to uphold what the Constitution and the Bill of Rights stand for. So you are the new breed of the conservative movement, and you better march for it like you are.
5: Oh my God, man, Mike, I got to (laughs) talk it back to you, Annie. I don't. I'm just like I'm in love.
1: I have. uh, Oh my God, you fall in love too easily, Mike. Well, the the problem is
5: we're always trying to make talk. Well, let's explain. No, no, no. Even these women who are falsely accusing. Their agenda, we know, is communism. That's their agenda. Anything they can do to participate in that, they do. They each are soldiers in the movement, and they'll do whatever it takes.
0: But, you well, know, you don't it,
3: understand and realize I, I, I talk about this a lot. And in 1963, um, a Republican a representative by the name of Albert Shalom read, read into congressional record 45 rules of communist goals. And one of the things that you see everywhere today is each goal has been implemented not only by the U.N., but by our government and also our former president, starting with uh, George Bush Sr. So this has been implemented. We just have a reprieve because we got a man that actually loves America, and it's given us fire in our spirit to get out there and fight for our country back, not only from the swamp, but from the elite also, and the UN before they push Agenda 2030 and uh, fulfill Agenda 21.
1: You know, it, they had the Emmys last night, and of course, you know the left was in full swing. And of course, they joke is like, well, back in World War II, fascism was the enemy. Well, what do you think Antifa is, you idiot? You know, it, it's fashionable to say I'm a communist, but yet communism is the enemy of our republic. Fascism is the enemy of our republic. And I'm sorry, I don't care how many times you say right wing, fascism is as far left as you can prosper with the filthy crud they are. So I it's a play so on angry words.
3: Everything is angry. a play. Get angry. That is what we need is for the silent majority to actually get a backbone and quit being silent. It's going to take more than a 13% of the normal people of America to get louder. And we did that. So when you have, and you could call me, my new name is Patriot Drudge. I will be the drudge of society if that's what it takes to get my country back.
1: <laughs> well, if no one knows what that refers to is Biden. Oh, oh crazy old <laughs> Joe. <laughs> the Dirty Uncle Joe. No, you should have oh, said creepy, At- pervert
3: uh old joe he's he's oh. a pervert okay let's get it together it, that's right there you don't judge kavanaugh but every picture he is standing with a little girl or a grown woman and he can't stop being touchy-feely creepy old joe so they need to quit <laughs> if that is what the democratic leadership is thank god for
1: ours. now, okay. now joe's just a hugger human-
2: he's just He just wanted a little love.
1: (laughs) Well, Uncle Joe was at the Human Rights Campaign annual dinner in uh, Washington, D.C. on Saturday, and I watched bits of his speech. I don't know how I managed to do that without a barf bag, Uh, but he was talking about the intolerance coming, talking about us, that we from the right, we that are conservatives, that are Republicans, are intolerant. And then just sentences later, He says, this time they, not you, have an ally in the White House. This time they have an ally. They're a small percentage of the American people, virulent people, some of the dregs of society. So people, the new hashtag for the conservative movement is I am a dreg. (laughs) Oh, no, I'm
3: Patriot Dred, and I'm getting ready to make a T-shirt that will be available tonight that says Patriot Dredge on it. And I'm going to wear it really proud.
1: Well, where can people find your, your – because uh, you actually do a videocast.
3: Yes. Um, Liberty One, um, I'm on every night. Uh, also, um, with the T-shirts and everything, that's net. And it's, trust me, <laughs> I love my T-shirts. And everything that um, – it represents everything that's me. And that's just who I am. I I, I am literally – Doing everything possible that I'm not going to stop until I see some resemblance of America again, and not this division that they swear that we're supposed
1: to be.
2: Latricia, oh,
1: That's you, for that. Go ahead, Curtis. Yes.
2: How are the um, state races shaping up in Georgia?
3: Well, you know what, um, Stacy Abrams. Sh- you know my favorite word is fallback She needs to fall back, have 10 seats Number one, the first thing you do is when you come You come out, you're going to say You you are willing to go door to door And confiscate our guns And then the next thing That you, you want to say You want to fan blast Stone Mountain She's lost And I am I don't care how much money Soros throws behind her I don't care if it's another Ass off and handles race But it's Brian Kemp all the way that, to me, is who I'm going to vote for. So the Democrat, you know, the Democrat, I could care less. But that is, you know, somebody needs to put her in her place. We're That's not Georgia. And, and we're not a globalist, socialist um, state. We're literally a sovereign state. And we don't need Stacey Abrams, and we don't need any influence from big government, any more Hollywood elites, or anybody else. We are Georgia.
1: Did I just start Uh, preaching? Yes, vote (laughs) count. Oh man, that's that's the whole thing. You know, they think that if they bring in these socialistic ideas into rural America, into those of us at the heart of America, the true silent majority, they think they can bamboozle us and fool us. And uh, I mentioned the Emmys before. You know, you got these Hollywood elite. That probably have never had to break a fingernail, you know, mopping a floor or something. You know, all of a sudden preaching to the rest of us as if they know what the average American needs or wants or thinks about. That their ideas are far superior. And you had one of these actresses showing up in Nike sneakers, uh, and and it's like, wait a minute. Uh, the NFL has been progressively losing viewership and fans in the stadiums itself. A tremendous amount. It's down the first two months of this year, an additional nine percent over last year. So don't you think that mainstream media is not agreeing with this with this cabinet protest? We don't even know what they're protesting anymore. We have no idea. It starts off with, you know, uh, black injustice and then it starts off with police brutality. And now it's morphed into so many different things. Wait a minute. I'm paying for a football game. I want to see a football game. If I want to go to a protest, I will go to a protest. But my football game is not a protest. It's a sport that's supposed to be apolitical. That's supposed to unite us. But now, look at the look at the problems we got here. Well, I'm sorry. I, I don't want to
3: lose brain cells and actually watch um, millionaires run around playing with balls. Go Dog, I am a University of Georgia fan. The NFL fell off two years ago for me. I haven't watched the football since then. I don't wear Nike, so it doesn't really affect me. I know where I stand, and I stand up with my hand on my heart, and I know what that platform means, regardless of what they're fighting for. They chose the wrong platform, and they can't let it go because too many egos is getting paid.
1: Yeah, well, you know, when I was doing my notes, I was thinking about this, because now the NFL has been having a lot of their games in Europe, of all places. And I'm having a funny feeling that we'll see in the next couple of years the entire league move over to Europe, in which case I want to see stricter immigration laws so that they can't come back. Now, there's a thought. How about that, Lucretia?
3: You know what? They have the money to go ahead and leave. Do like Tina Turner did. You know, give up your citizenship. It's that simple for them. But for them to sit there and try to preach at us, I, I, don't, I don't deal with un, that, that nonsense. I'm not being preached at by somebody that looks down their nose at us. You have no idea what the real, the real world is like. And if you or anybody else decides to leave, that's another football player that got cut that's willing to stand up for our, our flag and actually make the same amount of money that they do. You know what? You get paid. Go ahead and do your job. But on your own time, you can do what the hell you want. We used to play. We used to watch to play the game, but they've destroyed that. And the conservatives hold the pocketbook. So when we figure that out, they'll figure it out.
1: No, that's true. I mean, it's funny because I had a mime I had put up on Twitter, and within not even five minutes of my posting on Twitter, it was yanked down by Twitter. No explanation, just completely yanked down and could not access it. And on one half of it, it had um, Pat Tillman. In his military uniform, and on the other half, of the picture was Colin Kaepernick. And what is the difference between these two football players? One would rather stand up for the nation, and the other one stand up and die for the nation. The other one would rather see the nation die. And Twitter did not like that too much. But that's just well, isn't Google
3: it? isn't either. Facebook, they, they, none of them likes it. You know, and that's what happens when you let the government get control over-privatizing the Internet. It is going to literally become like a third-world country where they are literally censoring what we as a nation should be able to see. But you got to understand that that's part of the Patriot Act. That when it was signed by Barack Hussein Obama in 2012, the NDAA, it gave the media and it gave them uh, the politicians the right to use propaganda against us. So this is all being, it's just into fruition now, and we're woke because we're realizing what we have allowed for them to do was literally, slowly but surely, sell our sovereignty. The only thing that is stopping the government from completely taking us over is the Second Amendment. That's the only thing that is stopping them. And I'm glad that people that are and will stand up for the Second Amendment is standing up for their nation.
1: Oh, absolutely, which is why you're a spokesperson for the NRA.
3: No, 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 no. <laughs> I am just a lifelong member who has been blessed to be on the nominating board, the grassroots, and the outreach committee.
6: Well, I'm I, not a I spokesperson. I, I no, I hand did, hand I did, I did a, do a
3: tele, Yes, I did do a commercial for the NRA, but the only spokespeople that they have is Dana and Dan. So, no, I'm just blessed. Uh, to to stand out and catch the eye of very important people in the NRA.
1: I stand corrected. When I'm wrong, I'm willing to admit it. Go ahead, Mike. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
5: Two questions uh, for our guest. Um, Number one is uh, how do you react, as I know Curtis and many others, you know, um, Uncle Tom, Oreo, all the blah, 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 same narrative we've always heard for for anyone who's not as as they used to say at least in the male role they're not a real brother um how do you react this is this
1: is the song
3: i always sing i'm a troll hunter i am a troll hunter every i will (laughs) go for your throat don't play with me do it sound like i'm be i'm to be trifled with I don't take the name calling lightly anymore. I'm not turning the other cheek. God gave me four. They're all chafed and chapped. I am no longer rolling over and allowing anyone to question my integrity or call me out my name. I will slice and dice you without blinking and then say, God bless your soul and keep it pushing. That is me.
1: Um, <laughs> I love it. I, uh, I love too. the
5: answer. I love the answer. I actually forgot the other question because I like this one so much. Um, uh, uh, but Annie, I'll uh, I'll ask. Uh, I'll ask, uh,
0: I'll
5: let you know when I when I think of it. Are you married? Because I'm telling you right now. Oh, there's a match made in heaven right here. Oh, oh boy. Well, I am literally.
3: I am literally going through a divorce. So technically, absolutely not. I'm not married. And no, I'm not giving up on love either.
0: Oh, my goodness. <laughs> well, trust
1: me, Mike has a tendency to show up on people's doorsteps because he's up in Grand Rapids, uh, Michigan and one day uh there's this strange car parked in my driveway and this guy's walking up the, the driveway and I'm <laughs> my husband and I are looking at him like, Don't tell me. He drove from Grand Rapids all the way down here. He was heading to Florida for <laughs> <but> whatever reason. <laughs> and uh Next thing I know, uh, I was getting ready to go on air, so I'm pulling up a second chair, sitting you with know, a second microphone, so he was sitting here in my studio with me doing the broadcast, and Curtis knows how small the studio is, because he sat in here with me doing it, too.
0: <laughs>
3: oh, ram- wow. <laughs> See, I-, I can't wait to get my studio up and running. That should be the 1st of October. And, I, you know, I'm not being paid at all, so the donations has really blessed me. And Curtis pretty much knows uh, some of the stuff I'm going through. But to be able to be blessed, to be picked up by Liberty One and Guerrilla News Network, you know what, hopefully I will catch the eye of someone important one day, but I'm not going to stop the fight. Whatever door God opens for me, I'm going to walk through it no matter what.
1: Yeah, it, it's funny because a number of years ago, um, sure, uh, I would say probably about six or so years ago, um, the local Republican Party was recruiting for people to be precinct captains and uh, chairs. And I, I turned around, my girlfriend and I said, Well, why not? We've been talking about, you know, fighting the good fight and bringing back conservatism to the Republican Party. Why don't we put our money where our mouth is? And we both went and we became, she became the. Um, Precinct uh, president, and I became the precinct chair. I didn't know that I was the one doing all the work. (laughs) The president just stood there as a figurehead. Uh, But we got involved. And when uh, a friend of mine, who happened to have been high up, she happened to have been originally a state representative, um, asked me, well, why are you doing this? And I says, I want to take back the Republican Party. Oh, my goodness. Thank God she's a dear friend of mine. But the hackles went up on the back of the neck and go, what do you mean? And next thing I know, I got three people jumping down my throat. And I says, I'm sorry. I'm going to tell you the truth. The truth is the Republican Party has gone too far left. We need to bring it back Thank to you. founding conservative principles. And I'm still doing it. And I'm encouraging more and more people to get involved with the actual party. Go to the meetings. Be- represent your precinct. You know, that way we got to go to the state convention. And if you go to the state convention, there's a good chance you may go to the national convention. And then it further influenced the Republican Party. That's my Party goal. With- you know, I'm
3: always the delegate for the state of Georgia because I go to every every convention, written, no matter if it's the local or if it's the county or if it's the district. I'm going to get involved. But I'm the president of the Lanier Tea Party. I'm a part of the LRA, the GRA, the Barrow County Republicans, the Republicans. The NRA, and I want to learn. I want to stay involved and because I am a grassroots
1: person. That's, this Lucrecia. is what we do. We have to stop saying sit at home. We have to get up and become active. This is what the Democrats are doing. We're we're not following their example and garnering more members because we we think conservative. Like I don't want to bother you too much. You know my life is busy. I know your life is busy. We're just worrying about getting food on the table, clothes on the kids, get the kids educated, go to work, go to church, come home and leave me alone. But that doesn't work anymore. The Democrats have taken no. advantage of it's not laziness it's just that as conservatives we just want to mind our own business and not tell you how to live but they're the opposite no that's that's a
3: libertarian I, I, i'm more of let me say my country republican hey Curtis, what was your question sorry
2: <laughs> Oh, i was just gonna see what you thought about the um recent funerals they had. Um, Aretha and John McCain. <laughs> uh, were they really um, like funerals or anti-Trump rallies? What, what oh my God, that was that?
3: over... Okay, you had me rubbing my hands together. You ready for this? Cause let me pop my neck, let me my, my shoulders. Okay, let's do this. So, there was a travesty. They were showboating. They monkeyed it up. They messed it up. They went overboard. It, you, at the funeral, you had three race baiters and a rapist sitting in the pulpit and then you had the bishop side grabbing a boob then on the other side you had anti-trump everything let's have the crocodile tears and the shadow government sitting on the front row playing pussies it was a hot ass mess okay that's exactly what both of those funerals was any other questions
0: (laughs) Ah! god
1: it was horrible I, mean, I I didn't watch any of it. Actually, I saw just maybe a small portion of it uh, when they were walking past the casket and, you know, seeing Megan McCain break down. And I had just lost my dad about five years ago, and that emotion caught me. But then when I started catching little tidbits of it around, the, I said, no, I turned it off. You know, it's nice to mourn the man while his funeral is going. But once he's in the ground, let's tell the truth. John McCain, along with Lindsay Lam- 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 guy <laughs> I'm getting frustrated here. Lindsay Gramnesty, as I call my state senator, um, went to Egypt and told Al Sisi, uh, you've got to let the Brotherhood out of jail and allow them to participate again in government and get elected to office. Uh, no, the Muslim Brotherhood are enemies of Egypt. And who are you, you Americans that have bumbled 9 11? so badly that if you're going to tell us who our enemies are. You're going to come to our country and tell us how to lead our country. And then these two fools bring the Muslim brotherhood to the white house, break bread with them under the roof of the white house, our people's house. And you're going to tell me that, that McCain is a good guy. The guy that called. He the wasn't those
3: a good that guy. If you ears, got, if you the got the queen bee, sitting there giving you praises. I woke up. I was in Washington, D.C., up there for the nominating committee, and I left it on Jesus, and, and all I heard was Hillary Clinton. I had I thought I was having a nightmare. Seriously? Ain't nobody falling for that. I called him out when he died. I called him out before he died, and I'm going to call him out when he did. He can't hear me. So, quit. just because you die, nothing is null and void. You're still going to pay the price for your life. God is going to judge you, and we're going to continue to judge you. And I'm sorry, you're not a diplomat, you're not a president, you're not anything to get all that pumps and circumstance. It was showboating, monkeying it up, and they was laughing at him and his family all the way. So it was a travesty.
1: It is. It is. It really is. And the mainstream media just played it up, and the more they bashed on Trump, the more they laughed, but, hey, I think in the end, we, the people, have the last laugh because we know the truth, and God knows the truth. That's the God-given truth. Well, I'm going to have a basket of
3: sneakers on Judgment Day, and I'm going to be skipping up and down the aisle, passing them out, because people are not going to be themselves while they're questioning their eternity and going to hell. So I'm going to make sure I have a whole basket of sneakers on Judgment Day.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, the- I made sure there was no Nikes in any of our closets and no Nike logos on any of our clothing. And thankfully, we have none of it. <laughs> our stuff No, I'm, that not,
3: I'm sorry. I'm not going to spend and waste that money. I'm not that vain to sit there and get that much money. i get some hot, you know what, give me some high heel shoes. I, I have maybe two pairs of tennis shoes and it might be Reebok and Pumas. So I'm good. I don't own anything of Nike. So, you know, I'm not wasting that much money on anything.
1: Well, look, we haven't ever, gotten your blood boiling uh, enough yet, so I'm going to just throw something. Oh out no, here. You, I'm not boiling. This is this is me on a daily basis. <laughs> 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 well, you know, Obozo has shown up in the the spotlight again. I guess he figured he was going to give yeah. the Democrats a boost in the midterm elections. And one of the things that just, first off, he takes uh, uh, credit for the economy. I mean, the small business optimism uh, index has increased the highest level in over 45 years uh, because of the Trump tax cuts and the deregulation. But Obama takes credit for it, saying it goes back to my re-election in 2016. And then he goes further, uh, no, to the 2016 whatever he did. Uh, then he turns around and he says, "People that are talking about Benghazi and the attack in Benghazi, it's a conspiracy." There's no there there. Hello, four Americans died. One was an ambassador. Bureaucracy. Look, Carisha, this This. Okay. Stand. We're talking about
3: Obama. Obama, who the first thing he did was turn a return a bus. The second thing he did was the, I call it the kiss ass tour. Of that's his first thing, number two, he dropped our credit rating in case people forgot not only that he gave us eleven trillion dollars more in debt because when uh, junior left, we was nine trillion when Obama took office, we was nine trillion and then we was twenty almost twenty one trillion when he left not only that not only the stagnant G- GDP that we had of one point five percent and the most of unemployment in Across the board, the 49 million people on food stamps, not only the overbearing regulations, the taxes, the Obamacare, IRS, Benghazi, Fast and Furious, EPA. What the, I don't care what that man say. Shut up. Shut it up. Shut up. That is how I feel about Obama.
2: You didn't build that.
1: I didn't build that. Oh, that reminds me we we got to get joe the plumber back on that's for sure uh, but you know uh, i i want i don't want people to think <laughs> Uh, I don't want people to think this is all, you know, bashing and it's all about bad, bad stuff. So I, I have something that's uplifting because there is hope for America because of people like you, Lucretia, like uh, Cool Mike, like Curtis, like myself, like those that are listening in in the chat room, that are those listening in on our Facebook and YouTube, that are those that are, are sitting here in the studio, uh, one of whom so, she is so sweet. She, she actually goes out on Twitter and posts my show for people to say so. Sue, we no. always think of you, and thank you for that. Uh, but here's Hi, Sue. an uplifting story. <laughs> <laughs> Sue got a special shout-out. Um, from uh, FlagsAcrossAmerica.com, uh, written by Michael Stanley, and he talks about this little kid. Uh, he has his ninth birthday, and he decided to celebrate his ninth birthday by having a party at Fox's Pizzeria. And who did he invite? He invited the local law enforcement to come over and have a slice to show his appreciation for the brave men and women in the community. And this is the second time he's done this. He did it when he turned eight, and he did it once again. Now, if a kid as young as this could see the beauty and glory of the United States of America, of the exceptionalism of the American people, there's hope.
3: You know what? I see it every day. I see it during this hurricane. I saw it during the last hurricanes. I see it during house fires, I see it when people are hurting, I see neighbors helping neighbors, I see blacks, whites, Latinos, that is who America is, we help one another, what you see in the media is not the true representation of everyday America, so that, right, that story right there is something that put a smile on my face that is being acknowledged, but it's happening every day. We're not a third world shithole. We are the United States of America. We are exceptional. And our founding fathers made sure we was that way. And it takes us and everybody else to show the next generation that we are the greatest nation on earth for a reason.
1: That's a huge amen to that. You know, and something I've also noticed because, you know, my church, uh, we're in a major epic battle Uh, we split from the Episcopal church. The Anglican for a while back in the 1960s had joined up with the Episcopals. And when we split, now they're trying to take the property of 23 churches because we said, Hey, wait a minute. The, the scripture tells us that it's marriage is between one man, one woman. As a matter of fact, Christ Himself said it's one man, one woman. Uh, he talk about you know same sex in the scriptures and Christ, and no, it's man, it's heterosexual. And when the Episcopal Church started to bend to the progressive society we said no we're staying with the principles of the church and because of that we're being punished by them trying to take all of our property and our church goes back to 1712 but i am seeing you got to understand and realize
3: that the u.n tentacles are in every major church organization from the southern baptist association the u.n is involved they are literally transforming the Bible to a society they think it should go. You can't change God's word. You can't change and make God's world, words fit into society. It doesn't happen like that. And everything that we're seeing right now and everything that we see because we are woke and we know it and we're saved and we love the Lord, that it is happening before our eyes. But I, he gave us a reprieve when it came to President Donald Trump. And people need to wake up and realize this, that they have reached so far, they are now in our churches. And that is why people say, "What, what needs to be, what needs to happen? You need to have the Black Road Brigade back in the pulpit. You need to start preaching and teaching about God and Jesus once again, because that is, is what's happening. And that is why society is going to hell in a handbasket, because they have literally written God off the face of the earth. And until people That's like me. us realize and, and shout about our faith and what God has done for us, then our faith is in trouble. Not, not my know? soul, but our faith is.
2: Yeah. yeah. Hey, Mike. Hey, hey. I just want to go ask ahead, Mike go, if sir. he ever... I just wanted to ask Mike if he ever remembered that second question. I wanted to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I
5: have not. I, I, I'm i just like, wow. This is it, – it is such a breath of fresh air. Um, I, I think what bothers me so much is early in the show you had mentioned they don't even remember where this began because every 24 hours – there's a new smoking gun, yet all of them have been silenced. And, I mean, they are under the impression that the media has some sort of weight. The day after the election is going to be, the night of the election and the day after, they're going to be looking at each other like, what's taking place? Um, because I, what, I, what I see are a bunch of idiot um, individuals uh, they're they're for socialism because they don't want to work and they they think they get it for free. Um, but my point being is, back in the day the media had a greater influence than it does now. I think the I, I think this is going to be a great midterm, and Obama's making the biggest mistake of all, trying to turn it into the presidential election. Well,
3: technically they don't have anybody to run. Huh? Who are you gonna put up there against Trump?
5: Uh, think it's, it's going to be it's going to be Hillary and Maxine Waters ticket. That's going to be the dream <laughs>
3: ticket. Ah, really? Let's do this. Let's let's do this. I'm ready for that one. Come on, huh? Ooh, I'll I'll be the number one rated uh free host ever, 'cause I'm I dig in I dig a hole in them every night. I will literally pull up their past from when they was in college on down. We talking about Hillary Clinton, Clinton. The Queen of the Mafia Foundation. we talking about Clinton, pay to play. we we, we talking about all these extra speeches, the Hades, the, the, the towel and, and the server. Bring it on. Let's do this. I want to see
1: her get back up there. Uh, Hillary is also another gift that keeps on giving oh lord and, and they, they have her with giving the democratic message and you know some of the things I had pulled out uh, to talk about is that some of these people are saying there's going to be a huge blue wave coming through in this next election uh, we're going to just swamp this uh, election and everything else uh, let's see oh who is this now it was Republican Reuben uh, how the heck do you pronounce his name Gallagher, a Democrat out of Alexander, saying that we're less than 60 days from kicking the SH out of the Republicans. This is what they actually <laughs> believe. Uh, you've got Governor Moonbeam Brown uh, was talking about Donald Trump and said something has got to happen to this guy. So is Governor Moonbeam actually uh, advocating for violence against a sitting American president? Is, Why is not? That Matthew Waters already did it. I mean, come on, who's calling them out? Nobody's calling
6: them out. So of course they're gonna keep doing
3: it until somebody pushed that thing on. Somebody is getting to the point that somebody they're gonna call one of their disciples and somebody's literally gonna take that bait. But when you're having representatives out there calling for blood, don't don't be shocked when it happens, okay? Don't be shocked. If this is what they're calling for, insurrection, that's what murder, then don't and nobody be shocked when it happens because some nutcase out there, and they're going to try to blame mental illness, no, that's because y'all kept inciting violence.
1: Yeah, and the funny thing is is that there's a nut job that is actually on the run. The FBI and the U.S. Marshals are chasing him. Started off in North Carolina posting up on his social media that he was going to shoot this one guy he's having a a, a dispute with who happens to be a local magistrate. And after he does that, he's going to shoot President Trump in the head. So, of course, now – (laughs) you're saying I'm going to kill the president of the United States and I'm going to kill a sitting judge. Don't you think you just did something wrong here? So now he's on the run. He stole a car, which they now found, um, I believe in Colorado somewhere. So they're closing in on him, but they have already had people out there willing to commit this violence. So much so that, you know, uh, Rick Scott was out campaigning. Governor Rick Scott in Florida was out campaigning and he went to a restaurant, a Cuban restaurant and protesters harassed him so badly that he, they chased him out of the restaurant. Now, where was his security? I'm sorry, it's off? time to
3: start swinging. You, you enclose me, and fight or flight or those hairs start tingling. I'm swinging. Get away from me. Seriously, I'm mm-hmm. swinging. Enough of this surrounding people, blowing whistles in their face, spitting on them. I'm sorry, did you just assault me? I'm swinging. I'm one of those people that will fight back. And and somebody literally is going to take it to the extreme. We are fighting for our lives now because we have representatives thinking it's okay for them to incite violence.
1: Well, Lucretia, I don't know if you want to hang out with us for the second half of the show because we got our next guest in, and he's written an interesting book that you may be interested in also. The book is called The New Paradigm, and he's doing a series of books on how to return us to a constitutional republic, and he's starting with the, the tax-based system. Do you want to hang out with us and, and Absolutely. help you the guest? All right. Sure. All right. Let's see <laughs> our next victim – and cool, Mike, stay out, stay on the line too with us. Uh, let's uh, in, uh, the teeth in straight. How am I going to pronounce this guy's name if I can't even talk? Uh, James Sakamikas. Good afternoon, James. How are you doing?
4: Oh, I'm doing just fine. And you, and you, you got, got a, got a you, new? Bo- yeah, you pronounced it Did correctly. I-
1: Well, I I told you I was going to dedicate the show to your uncle and the platoon that he was in in World War II. So uh, later on, you can download it and save it so your family has a little history there for you. Um, It was on the first 15 minutes of the show, if you want to save that, too. Uh, It's up on Facebook and YouTube with a video showing your dad's unit, not your dad, your uncle's unit, and a picture of your dad is up there, too. Uh, Dad. I keep on saying dad. It's your uncle. I apologize. (laughs)
4: Yeah, there were le- there were uh, eleven kids there were eleven kids in the
1: family. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, you, your new book out there is the new paradigm, volume one: how things ought to be fixed—income taxes, social security, and Medicare. Um, so, actually, where do you start in trying to fix it, and why did you start fixing our government? With these things, with looking at the financial uh, of the United States, with income taxes, Social Security, and Medicare.
4: Well, that's where where most of the corruption is at, is in the uh, the income tax system. I mean, that's what the politicians use to manipulate society and control people. And and the 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 problem with the income tax system is that it's so complex, nobody can understand it. And So if we fix that first, then we can move on. So I, I sort of have a plan of looking at, first, let's fix the revenue side, then let's fix the spending side, and then we'll, we'll work on the getting everything else straight with the uh, Constitution before we get on to uh, other problems, so, I mean, health care, immigration, all that kind of stuff. But I'm, I'm a problem solver. I'm not just interested in... Uh, But I thought that that was an easy place to start. It's it's fairly simple. Everybody understands taxes. Uh, They all pay them. So it it affects – it's something that affects everybody.
1: Well, you know, is it a revenue or is it a spending problem? And which one is it and which should be fixed first?
4: Well, they're they're both problems. The revenue is is, uh, a problem not so much that we don't have enough revenue – the spending is much more much more of a problem. but if you notice in the, in this book that it not just addresses the revenue problem, but it shows that there's like one and a half trillion dollars a year in tax expenditures that they call revenue, right that that we're, we're spending our, our revenue. So one and a half billion dollars more more than the total budget deficit is free tax expenditures, which are credits and subsidies, things like that. So when when you look at it, they call it revenue, but it's really really spending.
1: Well, you know, the 16th Amendment gave us the IRS. But uh, what is the cost to the American people, uh, to nonprofits, uh, to small businesses? What is the cost to us? And is there is it something we really should be worrying about?
4: Uh, I, I think well but basically there's there's so many pr- problems that we we do we, it's not it's nothing to to worry about let 's just fix it all right i mean they're, they're, I continually see people they always complain about this or complain about that, and they don't you know produce solutions to fix it and it, it the answers are not going to come from the politicians i mean all, all they do is care about the next election. So the well,
2: go ahead, Curtis, James, James, wouldn't the um, fair tax um, solve a lot of those problems and issues?
4: Yeah, I was going to have a chapter seven uh, in my in my book about the other tax solutions. But the problem with the fair tax is that it's not fair. OK, and it's not simple and it requires a tremendous amount of money. All right. I mean, I, I I could go on for an hour about the the problems with the fair tax, but I mean, it's it's better than it's certainly better than what we have. Don't get me wrong, all right. But it's still not fair. I mean, for example, I just give you one one case. All right, the fair tax says that you're gonna you're gonna pay like twenty percent whatever on uh, on new purchases. So if, if you buy an aircraft from Boeing okay you got to pay a 20% tax on it all right yet the way the big companies get around it is well they just they just sell it to uh, an offshore company and then they lease it back all right so that there's no tax so i mean it it's it's fine for, from that point of view but it's not fair to everyone else all right. The, and when you have something like the fair tax, there's a way to get around it. I developed this system so you can't get around
1: it. All right. So, so exactly what is your system? Because, you know, you're talking about, you know, the tax system we have now, and it's actually social engineering in the tax system. It's not equal. It's not fair. And it actually causes causes divide. So what does your system do and how does it work?
4: Well, the the difference between my system is there's a fundamental revolution. It's not just an evolution of the existing tax system. It says, okay, forget the current tax system. Let's replace it. You know, we phase it out over a period of of three years. I even have an implementation plan. But what my plan, plan starts with, it's fundamental that every entity is created equally, all right, so it's based upon the Fourteenth Amendment. Everybody pays ten percent. Okay, I mean companies, individuals, and there's no there's no uh, there's no joint filing. All right, everybody is an is an individual. Everybody pays ten percent. All right, there are no deductions. There's no credits. Everybody's treated equally. And that includes companies, massive corporations, from the, from the, the smallest to the, to the largest. And, and also, like anything, there's no, no, no gift taxes. If you get a gift, it's a gift. All right? If you get a tip, it's a tip. All right? Why? You, you, you shouldn't tax it. You don't ta- tax gifts. If you give an allowance to your children, is there a tax on it?
1: No.
0: All right, All right look, so James. That,
1: this, this is something. This is this is something I've always debated on because uh, I would prefer no income tax, period, and have a purely consumption tax, something along the lines of the fair tax, closing those loopholes that you're talking about, because I get then to choose when. I pay my tax, or in how much I pay my tax, which is why I prefer the fair tax. Whereas the tax you're saying, if everyone pays 10%, sure, if you've got say five million dollars in the bank, 10% is nothing to you. But if you're someone that's a small mom and pop shop and you're struggling to hire someone to help you, 10% is a huge chunk. If you're someone on the low income level. 10% could mean whether or not you have food on the table, uh, clothes for your kids, uh, or whether or not you buy that medicine you need. If you're a senior citizen, you may go buying medication because you're taxed 10%. So the lowest person on the rung is paying the highest proportion of the tax per their income, where the highest portion person on the rung pays the least amount, is least burdened by the tax. So why would your tax be better than something along the lines of a fair tax?
4: Okay, I've taken all that into consideration because that's just the 10% is just the first part. The second part is, is there is subsistence level uh, exemption where you don't pay it on the first $25,000 of income. So anybody that making a minimum wage or even you know, a family, let's say a family is making between the, the husband and the wife, they're making $50,000, all right, they pay no tax. Because they have $25,000 each. they each filing separately. There's no joint returns anymore. Everybody is an individual. In Sixty More than 60% of the people file as single persons, more than 60%. So the the majority of the people are already doing doing that. So then with the subsistence level, and that includes a corporation, uh, a, a General Motors, going to get a $25,000 exemption. Now, what good is it going to do to them? All right. Plus, they're going to lose. They're going to lose all their deductions, like all the money that they deduct for overhead and losses in uh, settlements. All right, that kind of stuff is going to go away. All right. The, the, so there's no deductions and credits. They don't get that anymore. So with their effective rate, it's actually like for for General Electric, they had. Made billions of dollars and paid zero taxes. That that has to be eliminated as a possibility. All right. So the second wrong is the subsistence. All right. And then there's only two more, and that's to take care of Medicare and Social Security, which are both which are both failing. All right. And the problem with Medicare and Social Security is that they they only apply to individuals. Every entity should be treated the same. Why should a corporation not have to pay Social Security or Medicare? So by by lowering those rates, get lowered tremendously for the vast majority of the people. And now the corporations have to pay Social Security and Medicare. So you you take the ten percent and you add on five percent for Social Security and three percent for Medicare. Which is eighteen percent. Which is they're, if they're paying twenty one percent now, that's three percent less. But then they don't have any other deductions, so they're
1: actually not getting a break at all
4: under this new under this plan. Uh,
1: I still again I come back to why don't we instead of having any income tax allow a consumption tax where I get to choose instead of government mandating me, which I. The, the, the amendment to the Constitution initiating this income tax is unconstitutional, even though you know they made the amendment to it. It's against the entire principle of the Constitution. So why not now do it where I choose how much and where? So if I choose, I say, all right, I don't want to give Uncle Sam all my money when I buy a new TV. So instead of going for one that's $2,500, I'll go and buy the one that's $250. It gives me just as good a picture and I can still watch my shows. Why can't I choose when, where, and how to pay government my taxes And rather than government saying, well, we need this money to support Medicare and we need this money for Medicaid. And Medicare and Medicaid are two separate entities. I pay for my Medicare and people receiving Medicaid do not pay a penny. So I, I, when I hear people lumping those two together, I get very, very angry. Again, why can't I choose when, where, and how to pay my tax rather than government mandating it?
4: Because that it's it's not fair to people like like me that are poor on fixed income. If I if I had to pay for a fair tax, and corporations they get off scot free. I
1: mean, what are you doing? to it, when you buy when you buy a brand new item, you're paying tax only on the end. All along the way, you're cutting out all the CPAs, all the other uh, filings you have to do, all the accountants that you need to find out whether or not how to pay this corporate tax, or you filing your income taxes at the end of the year. You cut all of that out, so that that loaf of bread that you're paying a dollar ninety nine for, yes, you may be paying a twenty percent tax, but it no longer costs. You a dollar ninety nine. That product will now probably cost you less than ninety nine cents. So I'd rather pay a twenty percent tax on ninety nine cents, or all the other hidden taxes that cause that bread to rise from ninety nine cents to a dollar ninety nine, and then you're still paying a tax on top of that. So um, it, again, why can't we cut out all this in this inter the stuff in between, and have a pure Consumption tax only on the end item. So yes, that plane may be taxed twenty percent, but that plane may not no any longer cost five million dollars to build. It may only cost two point five. So why am I going to buy a plane, say in Saudi Arabia, where it's going to cost me five million, or will I buy it here in the United States at two point five? Do you understand yeah. the benefit of where I'm saying? Yeah, no,
4: I, I understand. I've analyzed the fair tax and. Uh, upside down and forward and there's fun, there's some fundamental things that are not fair about it it's, it's a regressive tax and it hits a tremendous burden on the the lower income and middle class if you take a corporation and they buy something new all right they're not going to buy something new they're going to lease it all right and to avoid the tax all right so there, there's well, someone so has many- to buy that-
1: Someone has to buy that equipment in order to lease it out, so therefore the tax is still being paid on it. And you you say it's unfair to those on the poor end, but someone that's poor is not going to go out and buy a $250, two hundred and fifty twenty five hundred dollar TV. They're going to buy the two hundred. So you know it's going to be beneficial to the poorer end because now products and items will cost less. They'll have more disposable income on their hands.
4: It, it doesn't actually work like that. When, I, I'm going to write a Chapter 7 to, to my book just to, to debunk the, the fair tax. I was going to write it anyway. But the the thing with the corporation, they don't have to pay. If they, if they buy, get an aircraft, they just purchase it overseas to avoid the tax, and then they lease it back. All right? The corporations wouldn't be paying any taxes. I mean, multinational corporations. Sure, the small businesses are going to be affected. They're going to have to buy stuff here. But in the multinational corporations, the big corporations, it's not going to affect them at all. They they, they can't wait till the fair tax comes in.
1: Well, the multinational well, corporations are not paying the tax. It's the consumer that pays the tax in the end. The corporation may collect it and then distribute it back to government. But, you know, they pack that cost into their price. And they're also packing in the cost of all the accountants they need, the booking department, the lawyers they have to hire. Once you eliminate that, then the items, whatever they're they're selling you, are going to drop in cost.
4: Right, and we and we eliminated that, all that. By eliminating the, the deductions for the accountants and the lawyers, and having no need for it, so the the simple the simple tax form, uh, a General Motors fills out the same tax form as an individual does. All right, that that's un, unprecedented, and the 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 I could go on for hours just about what's wrong with the fair tax. All right, but there's like the value-added tax has got its problems. They all, they all. I've analyzed all their problems, and when you look at the fair tax, sure, it sounds so fair. All right, but it's not in reality.
0: All right, how is it not?
1: I was just trying to figure out how it's not fair because if I'm someone that I no longer have to file. An income tax form i know government is not going to come out with their hand out to me and say give me ten percent of your income you're earning twenty six thousand dollars so give me ten percent now um how is that going to be fair when the person can turn around and say hey listen i'm going to budget myself and i know i have x amount of dollars coming in so i can now afford xyz oh wait a minute i've got to save ten percent of my income to pay uncle sam and with the fair tax a modified – or as Cool Mike suggests, I call it a tweet fair tax. Take some of those things you object to in the fair tax out and close those loopholes where a guy can turn around or a mother, a single mother can say, hey, I need this much money in order to get through the months. My kid have has shoes. They have clothes. They have uh food on the table we have the medicines we need for granny we can afford every rather than saying I know I have to pay the government 10% plus whatever I purchase I'm still going to be paying taxes additional taxes on
4: let let me ask you a question okay what do you think the chances are of the government passing a fair tax and getting rid of the income tax that that would be a
1: long a long hard fight And there are people that are working on it. Uh, It is a long, hard fight. It's not going to be something probably I'll see in my lifetime, maybe, you know, because I'm already into my sixth, going into my seventh decade. But for those coming up that no longer have to worry about having their paycheck, seeing one third of their paycheck taken out for uh, unemployment insurance, Social Security, income tax, and this and that. I looked at my paycheck when I last worked. Before I retired and one third of my paychecks were deductions for various taxes. If I can see a fair tax where I walk home with my entire paycheck intact and knowing that on April 15th, I don't have to fill out a form and send an additional money to uncle Sam knowing that when I go home and I have 100% of my pay and I can go anywhere I want and purchase what I want and choose how much to pay government. What a wonderful thing that would be
4: yeah and, and how, does that, how does that exactly affect social security? they're going to stop taking out social Security because of
1: that? The tax that is collected on the items sold, a certain portion would go to, say, social security, or say, to the military or say, to infrastructure. In government the Congress then would a lot decide, determine the revenue is coming in. What amount would go to which area of government to cover government? And maybe so, we can then eliminate a lot of departments, such as the IRS, and cut down on government costs.
4: Isn't that the problem right now? <laughs> You're saying, okay, let's let the politicians decide how to spend it.
1: Does not the Congress mean, exactly. have the power of the purse? Did not our founding fathers in the Constitution allot Congress the power of the purse?
4: Yes, to power the purse, but to to socially engineer and and how to spend it, if the money is, if they can just say, okay, this amount for Social Security, this amount uh, for Medicare, whereas in my proposed system, people don't pay the Social Security anymore. That's like 7% on everybody's paycheck that you get get back because it's paid by the, the employer's.
1: Right. Well, and I, even- I personally want to see Social Security shut down, honestly. Had I been able to take my money that the government took out of my check for Social Security for my future – if I was able to take that same amount and invest it over time where I chose, and if I chose not to pay, that's my problem. That's an individual choice. But government has forced a choice on me with Social Security, with Medicare, with all these things. It, take that away. I want to see Social Security as Ronald Reagan wanted to see it done independently, as George W. Bush wanted proposed to do, make it a person's personal choice get government out of controlling people's life from cradle to grave
4: yes i agree with you a hundred percent all right the, i mean that that that's it is a future thing that's why i say in the book all right we you know it's we're stuck with it for right now until something better comes along now something better will come along but we have to fix some other things first so it's a progression i mean i, I agree with you hundred percent Sent, and the Social Security and the Great Society program and everything were just you know, very, very ill-conceived. All right. But James, it, 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 yes,
2: I going to say um, one of the problems we have today with the tax system is that people are so used to having um, money removed from their paychecks. And they automatically just dismiss it because they know it's going to be taken. But I think one way to expedite um, tax reform in this country is to have people themselves go and pay, you know, taxes, so they can actually see what's coming out of their paychecks. And I think once that happens, it's going to be a revolution because they're going to say, "Whoa, I didn't know I was giving all this, you know, up." What are your thoughts on that? Right,
0: right, right. no, I. Right.
4: Yeah, no, I agree that everybody. I mean, if you got your check and then said, okay, now you now write a check to the government for this amount, all right, that that would be that would be uh, ideal because then people they'd, they'd say, oh, all right, this is terrible, <laughs> all right. But the, the problem is it, it's not necessarily fair to, to everybody. So I mean, there was a lot of consideration going into determining this this tax system, all right, and the the problem is is that there's like no withholding from corporations and and I wanted to fix medicare and social security at the same time all right so with this this system i had to make it simple enough all right so that everybody could understand it and nobody would have to actually file a tax return you would just be getting money back every year
1: all right wait, You said something interesting here, um, because the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence does not guarantee fairness. There never will be complete fairness. Somewhere along the way, someone's going to end up on the wrong end of the stick. It's just human nature, plain and simple, which then again comes back to – Read the 14th Amendment.
4: Read the 14th Amendment. It sure does guarantee fairness. It guarantees equality. All right, if you don't believe
1: in equality for anybody. All right, it gives you an equality for an equal chance. It doesn't give you a guarantee on the outcome. Somewhere along the way, someone's going to feel that it's unfair, no matter what. As I said, it's simple human nature. You can write the words as many ways as possible, but God did not make us where everyone comes with an equal outcome. He puts us on this earth, and he says, here are the tools I'm giving you. Do the best you can. All we're doing in the Constitution is giving you the chance to strive. does not give you the chance to succeed, so therefore not everyone will feel as if it's always fair. So then again, my, my question to you is, with a tax, a 10% across the board with everyone, and yes, I've owned businesses, so yes, you do pay taxes along the way. While you're getting your profits coming in, you do pay quarterly. If you don't, come April 15th when you get those accountants to do your tax return, you're going to get hit hard. So yes, businesses know what their bottom line is along the way. A smart business does that. A dumb business that's going to fail does not do that. Uh, So it's not exactly true that corporations don't pay along the way. They do. So again, the question is, why can't I choose to keep my 100% of my check at the end of the week or the end of the month or the end of the year or however you're paid? keep 100% of it, and then decide when I go out to purchase something how much tax I give the government. I think with you, the fairest. So the person on the lowest end, I'm also on a fixed income. I have to watch the pennies coming in and out. But I also know that I have to budget myself. But if you're budgeting yourself on a lower check because government's taking money out of it, I have less disposable income to spend.
4: It, it comes down to the matter of the, equating fair with equality. All right, if do you if you believe that people, I, I'm not talking about guaranteeing equal results. I'm uh, talking about guaranteeing equal treatment, so that everybody is treated equally. All right, when the government treats people unequally, it picks winners and winners and losers. All right, by you by the fair tax, then again. They're picking winners and losers. All right, now what's going to happen? Uh, Explain well, me how they
1: pick winners and losers when it's an equal tax on every single item. And before the person goes to buy that item off the shelf or off the, the showroom floor, they see exactly how much the tax is. And they can, they can decide, well, listen, I'm on a low income, so I can't afford a Mercedes-Benz, so I'm going to go for the little VW Beetle. Uh, how is it not fair when I can then make an educated guess, uh, an educated choice on how much government is going to take in taxes for me when I purchase that item. How is that not fair at all? Because oh, it, it treats me, everyone the same. You, the guy that's a millionaire can choose to buy the yacht, where the guy that's on the low income can choose to buy the canoe. It's a matter of choice. Well, Let me give you an
4: example of why, how it's not fair. All right. This church goes out and buys a new pew. For their church all right now they're going to get an exemption on it uh
1: not in the fair tax
4: well then can they, you they, buy then, a new item right okay so what's gonna what's gonna happen they're going to be paying taxes on something where they never had to pay taxes on it before all right so is, is that is that fair to well,
1: all the churches and the non-profits so here I am, I'm someone who does not earn a profit on this radio show for sure, but I, when I go out and purchase, I'm going to be paying taxes. So is it fair that a church that is taking in money from its parishioners and not being taxed on their income, is that fair? The,
4: the problem with the fair tax is everybody looks and says, okay, is this fair to me? All right, It's not looking fair to the to everybody they, they they really don't care okay how it affects somebody else but if you look at all the other entities in the in the country the fair tax is regressive i'm going to do a whole chapter on this just because just because of this all right i have already i've already written it i just didn't didn't publish it but I, but I'll, I'll add it i right? because there's i have to go really i could actually spend hours just on the problems with the, the fair tax and give scenario after scenario. So in, in my system, if you look, I have scenarios of everybody from the, the very poorest, the largest multinational conglomerate and how it would affect their taxes. And you can see that the people that are paying, I mean, compared to, to now, the people that are paying the uh, taxes, it's vast, vastly different. The, the, low, the poor income people get back money right, right away because the only thing they're paying right now are payroll taxes, and they get that all back. So poor people are, are – the, the problem is treating people equally. If people want to be treated equally, I'm no guarantee on equal results. That's the thing. The fair tax does not treat everybody equally. It lets the government choose winners and losers. That's the whole point is to get rid of that.
1: So, that the government can't right. pick winners and losers. You're saying uh, yeah, this, this is what I still don't understand how government is picking winners and losers with the fair tax because it's, it's a, a tax on every single brand new item. So, I can choose at that point, well, instead of buying a new car, I can buy a used car. So, here I am as a person, I've been bored, trust me, and I've had payroll taxes come out of my My check, I didn't get back 100%. No one gets back 100% on what they pay out. Uh, Again, I can then choose. So it's not government picking the winners and losers. It's the consumer who then chooses the winners and losers.
4: Yeah, yeah, but but what you're missing is that 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 applies to to lower income and middle class people. But, But the rich people don't buy stuff new.
1: They lease it.
4: All right. Were they selling it all. all?
1: Not all. Not no. That, that's a, that's a rather broad statement. I mean,
4: it's, it would be it's they would obviously do that under the fair tax. There would be you know, there, what there would be nothing stopping it. There's nothing in the fair tax that would stop somebody from doing that. Nothing.
1: But why why, why would you? Because somewhere along the way, that leasing company has to purchase that product. In order to lease it out so if the That's purchasing me. company the, the leasing company has to purchase it then that purchase it overseas. overseas purchase it
6: overseas they're doing, they're doing, doing that now they don't they, that do that now.
4: Now. <laughs> they, they don't know that it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't work that way in reality all right They they don't do that now they purchase it here Okay, because there there is no fair tax. If there was a twenty-three percent, okay, fair tax, then everybody, every airline that bought a new new Boeing or any kind of jet, all right, would would would, would pay that, all right. But they wouldn't do that, all right. So you can it, that that's the extreme level for, with with a, uh, an aircraft, but it go it goes all over the place. Multinationals would get off scot free there would be no reason for the M for them to ever purchase anything in this country. Never. I mean, what's the, the right, well, I mean.
1: All right. Well, let's, let's move on a little bit. Uh, Cause later on in the book, you, you write here on page 30 that you said withholding all transactions that result in income are subject to withholding. This includes not only, and this includes, but is not limited to wages from employers dividends on investments interest on investments and gains from sales of assets the federal government will withhold from social security benefits above the substance level withholding is due when a transaction occurs an employer pays withholding when the employee is paid withholds when the dividend is paid a borrower pays withholding when making interest on debt uh, including to or from government failure to withhold is subject to a 15 penalty on the amount too. When you're saying sales of assets, um, are you talking about people that have yard sales or second, selling secondhand goods, items that they purchased and already paid a tax on? They're just trying to get some sort of a re- money back? If I paid, say, $500 for an evening gown and I paid the tax on it, now I want to get rid of that evening gown and decide to sell it to someone for 50 bucks. am I going to be paying a withholding tax on that?
4: no i'm talking about uh real property thing that type of asset not not if you're having a yard sale something like that but but if you're buying right now if somebody buys rare coins and stuff and then sells them for a profit they don't pay anything so those those are assets i mean i i should clarify that uh a lot more, but it's not it's not for it's not for the yard sale. It's for more things like real property. Uh, and then if you're if you're selling a car, that's that's not a uh, sale sale of assets. I right? Usually it'll be depreciated. But if if you if you're selling a car because you uh, fixed it up and you're going to make making a profit, then you're going to pay taxes on on your profit if they, if you're in the business of doing that.
2: Well, James, um, let's take the rare corn um, scenario. You purchase a rare corn, and I'm, you know, as a collector, you know, because most collectors, they purchase um, quality um, rare coins. And then years later, you decide to sell it. Now, when you purchase it originally, you pay taxes on it. Now, say like six years later, it went up in value, and you decide to sell it. Do you think you should be paying taxes on that again?
4: No, you don't pay rare taxes when you buy a rare coin. <laughs> what makes you think you did that? You don't pay any of no, tax. I was, just,
2: I was just wondering, you know, if in yeah. your plan you would have to um, pay a second time. No,
4: you don't even pay the first time with, with rare coins. If you buy a rare coin for $10,000 and sell it the next day for 15000 you don't pay any taxes on, on any kind.
1: In your I was plan
2: just bringing or that up because you, I was just bringing that up because you mentioned rare coins.
4: Yeah, no, because I used to do rare coins. That's why uh, I mentioned it because I, I know that you, you buy them and you sell them and you don't you don't report that unless you're in the rare coin business and then then it's part of your profit. But if you're just doing it as a, as a hobby or something like that, as a collector, nothing. They they just totally miss that. And and there's hundreds of things that they miss.
1: Mm. Well, you know, in your plan, you also have it where – you know, there's a lot of my listeners that are weary of uh, Big Brother out there. And in your plan, uh, you're requiring people to establish an online profile that may be maintained by a smartphone, a personal computer, and or by certified mail. Uh, and the information would be your name, your address, an email, social security number, or taxpayer number, and various authentication answers. You know, people are – government is already in our lives everywhere, So here you're asking people to register. You also have people that are, you know, internet are not internet savvy. My mom for one of them. So here you have forcing people to register with big brother, aren't you?
4: Everybody with, that has a social security card is already registered. It's not adding anything uh, new. If you have a social security card, if anything, that it helps control the the illegal uh, immigration type aspect, because everybody's required now you don't have to have a smartphone or anything like that. You can do it all by paper, which would people uh, do now so it's not required it's just for the ease of simplicity. Right now, on my social security, I just go in on the web and go to the Social Security Administration and get all my documents and everything that I need. So it's already that way. I'm not changing uh, anything. They have the multi-level uh, authorization and everything. To, if you've ever been into the Social Security website, uh, I'm in there constantly checking things out. So I mean, it's it's not adding anything new. This just adding a little more uh, flexibility to it.
1: All right. Well, I'm going to ask you another thing that I noticed in your plan. Uh, there are those of us uh, that because of the work we did um, ha- we get a pension at the end when we retire but depending upon how we t- retire, our pension is not taxed now we've already paid the tax on the money going into the pension we are now collecting that pension now for example um here I am I'm a retired New York City cop I was injured in the line of duty uh, multiple times and when they retired me they said because you served and because we have this contract with you we are not going to tax your pension under your plan now my pension would be taxed
4: it it depends on if it was taxed when when the money went in if the if it, if it was taxed when the money went in then it doesn't get uh taxed again so there there's no one of the things a key about my tax system is there's no double taxation like there is now all right all right now the the
1: question question goes a little bit further on the same thing though the question goes now for example um i paid 10 years in for the the time i did i am now retired more than 20 years um so now i've passed the amount that i've contributed but because I have been injured in the line of duty, I am physically disabled. Would you then still tax it?
4: Uh, I'm physically disabled. All right, I'm in a wheelchair. All right. Did what? Why? Why? Wh- what about equality? Is is different? I mean, I don't want any special privileges because I'm disabled. All right. I don't want I don't want to be treated equal with everyone else. In fact, I insist upon it. Everybody should be treated equal. I didn't say you get the same results. I, but why should you have a special treatment just while, oh, I was injured. Oh, yeah, okay, so, well, so am I. I've been in a wheelchair for 30 years. Does that mean I want a special treatment? No.
1: No, not asking for special treatment, but here you have people going out there protecting and serving and you with the understanding that, hey, I know I'm placing my life on the line to protect you so you in turn say if i'm willing to do this should anything happen you will be taken care of you don't need to worry about that you don't need to worry so that you can go out there and do your job the same with the military you know they're going out there protecting and serving our nation we should be giving them something a little extra because they're willing to place their life on the line it's not like you know someone going out there and uh, scooping ice cream cones you know that's when you have someone that's willing to serve the nation, do you not think they would deserve something a little bit better?
4: They do get something better. the The, the veterans get a, get hundred percent of their home financing. All right, People do get when you're a police officer, you do get you do get pensions so that those things are already carved out. All right? this is you want something outside of your your what you already have carved out. Just to, why don't you look at just the part that you have carved out already, all right? And if, and you can change that, you can increase it, all right. But to to Im- impose it upon every everyone else, it's like somebody saying, "Well, you have to you have to pay the, this money for this charity, even though you don't support the charity." I mean, sure, I agree. I, 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 police and military and everything should should get the the the, the most amount but it shouldn't be different they they shouldn't be treated differently in the tax system all right they're treated differently elsewhere they're given benefits that kind of stuff i agree with that a hundred percent but that the tax system needs to be neutral and equal to everybody that and that's the whole point is to separate it out from the rest of the society because they use it for social engineering Right? And there's always somebody lobbying to get my piece of the action. Right, So it's not that I, I agree with you that they, they should be treated spe- specially, but not in the tax system.
6: Well, you
1: know, the, one of the reasons why I ask is that, you know, sometimes, you know, uh, you have some a police officer that is severely injured and they live beyond what the life expectancy expectancy is of what they paid into the pension. Uh Stephen McDonald was a perfect example. Uh he was shot in the line of duty by a couple of thugs in a park back in 1986 and he only passed away last year. And here are you going to turn around with Stephen McDonald uh someone like that, and say, well, now that you've lived past that life expectancy, even though we promised you that you're going to live, lay your life down on the line for us, we promised you that should anything happen, you will be taken care of. And then also just yank the blanket out from underneath them when they may need that money the most. Because, you know, as time went on, he got worse and worse. And he needed more money to be able to maintain his life.
4: It it doesn't take anything away away from him. Nothing. It, it treat, treats him equally. It's not it's not taking any money from uh whatever he's making. All right, it doesn't affect so people not, that are retired. Like I've been retired eleven okay. years so it does it's not gonna affect me.
1: All right. Well cool mike has a question. Jump in, Cool Mike.
4: Okay, um Thanks, mike? Danny.
5: Uh, yeah, I'm right here. Um my question uh, regarding your taxes, it's, there's kind of two. There's a question and then a follow-up. Incidentally, I agree with you on fair tax, how there are a lot of loopholes. Um, I like it at the state level. The federal level, unless it's tweaked, There's uh, the filthy rich can just – it's almost like the IRS system. There's ways around it. It needs to be tweaked. Um, but my question is, where did you come up with the 10%? Uh, Herm Cain had the 999, and I've seen all kinds of. Uh, 10% seems really, really high, at least from the layperson's standpoint, 10 cents of every dollar. Um, secondly, um, is there at the end of the year any type of uh, you file a return um, or something, or is it just 10%? You pay that, uh, you know, you get your check stub, it's 10%, period. Um, incidentally, Annie, we have an all Republican House and Senate, and Governor in Michigan, and uh, they now they passed recently taxing the pensions. bunch of crooks. They should be, uh, they should, all should be voted out uh, in favor of the liberals. I mean, it's just ridiculous how progressive these people
4: are.
0: Yeah, yeah well, so that's sorry why I, I got off
4: topic there a minute.
0: <laughs> but, hey, that's <laughs> why
4: I moved from California to Nevada. <laughs> I had to get out of there. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I'll,
5: I'll let you answer those questions.
4: Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, one of the things with the 10% is, remember, is that I have a subsistence level of $25,000, all right? So that means that a couple making $50,000 pays zero tax. Now, now right now, if on that $50,000, I, I break down the scenarios. I have, like, 16 scenarios, all right, from uh, middle class, the very poor, to the large conglomerate, to large nonprofits, like you take AARP, they are ripping this country off for billions of dollars. Now, not that there's anything wrong with AARP, but why should they be exempt from paying taxes? All right, they collect billions of dollars in dues and things like that. All right, so there, I, I agree with you on the the, the pension. The states, I, the, I'm not addressing the states' problems. All right, states states have their issues. That's why I got out of California because I couldn't handle it anymore. All right, moved <laughs> Really, I was there for 20 years. I said this, I can't live with this anymore. So moved to Nevada. We have no sale, no income tax here in Nevada. Uh, Okay, so, well, I guess
0: my my
5: other question is is why not five percent? Why not 15 percent? I mean, because I I guess I I didn't quite understand your answer. If you make fifty, if two people make twenty five thousand, and they're paying uh, two people, they're we I, I get that you file separately. Okay, I get that. Um, so if they make twenty six thousand, then they're each paying the ten percent on the twenty six thousand. Correct. And secondly, my follow up question to that was. Are you doing something at the end of the year, getting a W-2 filing a return, or is that just completely eliminated?
4: No, well, that's completely eliminated because with, with all the withholding, I mean, now with computers uh, nowadays, that you can file you can file a return if you want, but there's there's no need for it anymore. So even though I have a one-page simple return for everybody, you don't need to file a return. Everything should be able to be calculated. All right. Unless we have an EMP (laughs) that destroys all our computers, and then we're all in trouble. But there's no there's no returns to file anymore. You don't need all the you don't need the H and R blocks anymore. Uh, You don't need the all the the accountants and the CPAs. So there's millions of people who are going to lose their jobs, but they're just a drain on society, in my opinion. You know, tax attorneys. You don't have these people setting up all these. Uh, trust funds and everything to get to avoid taxes.
2: Uh, what so, about so the IRS? Would you need the IRS anymore?
4: Nope, nope, nope. You need them just for legacy for like three years to go through all the audits and you know clean up the old uh, system. But mainly, what you just need is people running the the computers. Every, since everybody's treated equally, there's no there's no reason to to audit. You either paying your money or you're not paying your money.
1: All right, well, you know, there's, there's some things in there I, I like in your tax plan. Others I'll still debate you with. Um, you know, I like the idea that you, you're not even letting municipal government get off of your tax. However, how do you prevent the municipal government from not increasing the millage rate to compensate for the tax they must now pay?
4: Because the, it'll come right back muni-
1: on the local residents. you
4: mean the state and municipal governments Okay, are going to do? I mean, I'm not addressing that. I'm just addressing it at the at the federal level. I'm right. sure the, the municipal governments they're they're going to uh, they're, they're going to do what they're going to do anyway. All right, I can't control them all. I mean, maybe down in the future I'll, I'll write, a, write a book on what how state and local governments handle taxes. But for right now, you got to start somewhere. All right. Mm-hmm. So the reason I picked, the reason I pick the ten percent is because the the to to make the numbers balanced, to pay for our system. All right, what the what the Constitution says we should be doing, like the military. All right, that's what that's what it requires. Now once once you get it ever under control and get the budget under control, all right, that ten percent will probably go down. But I but I figure I'd pay ten percent to the Lord, I'm not gonna be paying want to pay ten more than ten percent to the government. So yeah. that's
2: why
1: well, I we're down to our decisions. last well, we're down to our last few minutes of the show. I want to thank you for joining us, James. I'm sorry if I seemed a little combative, but you know, the audience has to see both sides of the coin so they can understand what you're talking about and what we're looking at also. you know, Some of these ideas are fantastic. I think if we can tweak the fair tax, uh, maybe use something like yours until we can get the fair tax passed, but tweak the fair tax so it would be equal across the board uh, as you say you know close up some of those loopholes we have and then maybe we can start reclaiming our constitutional republic
4: right right and i and i agree but there's one other thing in this book that uh you did that is not readily apparent is that in it is the se- the secret to doing something successfully not not just to you know implementing this but in your personal life your business life the, the secret of the success is in this book, all right, if you if you look for it. And it's only it's – only, you can get a PDF for only $2 on the website.
1: And the website is thenewparadium.us. There's a link up on the show page, and a lot of people that listen to the show listen to the podcast in the archives. So all they have to do is look at the description – and click right on the name of the book and the, the link to the website and go directly to learn more about you. You're starting up a new nonprofit through the website, and they can learn more about that. But, James, we got to run. We're down to our last four and a half minutes, and I want to thank you for being a good sport and putting up with us.
4: Okay, thank you. And, and don't worry, I'd love to be. <laughs>
1: You take care. James uh check out the new Paradigm, Volume 1. Uh, we're going to be back, Curtis, care, on uh, this Friday. And uh, we've got some exciting guests. we got Baruch Fletner. Oh, man, what a pisser this guy is. We're going to have a lot of fun with him. A Russian immigrant and now American citizen. And... Former FBI agent and deep uh, deep state specialist, John Guandolo will be joining us. Uh, we got some great shows lined up for the rest of the month. I want to thank everyone uh, for joining us, uh, for sitting out there and putting up with us. <laughs> <laughs>
5: hey, before we bounce, I want to read you something, Annie. Someone sent this to me and said to send it to you. It's just a, just a thing you post real quick. It says, it really bugs me when chumps who fled the Soviet Union, Cuba, China, Venezuela, and North Korea think they know more about socialism than a 28-year-old 10-year undergrad in gender studies from Santa Fe with a verified <laughs> Twitter account. Uh, that they think, <laughs> <laughs> I, I am going to send that to you. I'll pass it to you. I'm, I, this show has been too good.
1: Oh man, you're a pisser, Mike. Thanks for joining us, and I want to thank everyone that stayed with us in the chat room, in the studio, up on Facebook and YouTube. Oh man, uh, we will see you guy's back probably here. Probably in the shower uh,
5: now. That James, you probably sweat him so much. He's probably taking.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh
5: man. <laughs> well, nobody got to work out like you gave Mark Stanford. So. <laughs>
0: or Michelle well, Is it
5: Mark Stanford, the congressman? Was it Mark?
0: Yes. Yeah, Mark yeah. Uh
1: Yeah. yeah. Matter of, Katie Arrington's going to be replacing him uh, come uh, this January. Anyway, I want to r- remind everyone again. Join us back here uh, on Tuesday. So, <laughs> until Friday. I say good- yeah. Friday, right? Whatever. I say good night <laughs> and God bless as I leave you with our closing song, When the Roll Is right. Up Yonder. So, Curtis. Take Good care. All right. <laughs>